Hello guys, what's up? This is episode 13 from Two Browns Don't Make a Right. This is your host Khalid. And this is Abdul. And uh, we're recording this a little bit early because I'll be in New York for 10 days and it's going to be a little hard for me to record over there. So we set out to record this early and put it out on t- so it will be out on time. Then why are we telling them? They didn't need to know that. Just an update. All of our four friends listening to this did not need to know this. Excuse you. We have like 30 fo- 32 <laughs> followers now. Maybe a little bit more, actually. Shit, that's more I friends checked. than I, I... I have less friends than we have followers. Dude, we have people listening in from Japan, for, from Philippines, from Netherlands, Puerto Rico, Morocco, Turkey. Do we know anyone uh, from Japan? I mean... I can I, don't I can know figure from out Japan. I can I mean, think I of like in school, the people in like Turkey Japan. and like Morocco and shit like that. But like, who the fuck is from Japan? Not sure. Hey, um, you person from Japan, please let us know if you're listening. <laughs> please reach out. <laughs> please reach out. Give us give us a Mitch please situation question. We will cover yeah. it. Give us something. That would be cool. Yeah, like a pop culture question about Japan, and we'll research it and learn everything we need to learn Ooh. about Japanese pop culture and Pitching make it happen. Maybe commissions. not that stereotypical, maybe something that requires more in-depth research than like sushi, tuna, and like betting and stuff like that. <laughs> like, or anime. <laughs> or anime, yeah. Maybe something more in-depth and more like fundamental than everyone's impression of japan like the work culture in japan or something like that i mean i think we know most of it but it might have changed because of technology these days so it'll be cool what to culture? Know about that their work culture oh work the culture. work culture in japan isn't it like one of the highest burnout rates and one of the highest like suicide it's rates to be, yeah. like related to like careers and shit like that yeah, dude, it's really, really high risk. Like, if you do something wrong, you're you're done. That's it. It's goodbye. And it's also such a high. It's it's an aging community too. Like, you've got a fuck ton of people that are just aging, and you like no one knows what to do with them. Like, we've got all of these old people and no one to take care oh, of them. Yeah. It's. I was uh, listening to like uh, an AI podcast, and they were talking about trying to find a solution by bringing like AI robots into the situation and then they put them in those like uh, retirement houses for the elderly Mm -hmm. and then instead of like instead of like using the robot to help them with stuff so they will tell the robot to call the contact center and have a face like facetime someone so they actually want real people and not robots taking care of them so they like one of one of the problems this company is trying to figure out is how can we shift the culture from wanting people and robots to take care of them because the workforce is too busy to take care of these elderly people. Yeah, but like, if I, f- I feel like at that point, a lot of these old people don't necessarily need as much. Like, I would say 40% of what they need is the physical care of like actual practitioners. And then like 60%, maybe even more, is like the social capital of like having other humans around them. Yeah. Because like, it's such a fundamental need for our existence to have people around us, regardless of whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you have to have people around you. Like, you need people. Yeah. We're, we're social, social creatures. 
other than that, you're just going to go crazy. You're going to lose your shit. Yeah, I mean, look at most homeless people. Most of them go fucking crazy. I mean, there are other reasons to that, I, but I think, I, I think part of it, I think part of it is being alone. I mean, I think people also end up homeless because of issues that happen to them, and that's more like mental health issues that drive them to those positions. I don't know. Well, I have no idea. There are a lot um, of fact, a lot of factors in there. I'm not a psychologist. Um, me neither. I do not want to be Don't a psychologist. I think I'll internalize, internalize a lot of people's issues, and I'll just be miserable the whole time. Like, I, I can't do that. I don't know how people do that, to be honest with you, but it's a tough job, man. Tough job. I think you have to be a certain level of fucked up to be like, I want to listen to people's fucked up lives and help them. And do that day in and day out. Fucked up. I don't think it's fucked up necessarily. I think it's just you're so compassionate, and you care so much that you're willing to fucking take everyone's shit and and try to help them with it. But isn't that kind of fucked up? I don't think it's fucked up. I think it's compassionate. I don't know. I think it's kind of sadistic. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, why are you doing this? Like, it's fundamental. It's a very fundamental. Like, to help us make sense of our own narratives. And, like, it's more fundamental than people realize. But, like, I just don't understand the drive people have to go into those positions and those roles in their lives. Some people, I think, get, like, a kick out of it, maybe. Or, like, there's some kind of fulfillment. It's maybe a meaning for life to them. I don't know. I think they find they find their meaning for life in in their job, and a lot of people do that. That's for sure. And that's where, it com- yeah. I mean, I think of it in the same sense of like there was a point of time where I was like, oh, I would love to like work as like an immigration attorney and like help people, like figure out the nuances and the fucked up realities of like the U.S. immigration systems. So I guess I can see where that can come from. But I've also gotten to the point where I'm like, fuck this. Once I'm done with my own immigration shit, I never want to deal with any immigration bullshit whatsoever. Like, I never want to fucking think about this again. Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> I once met this lawyer that was talking. He, 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 I was talking to him about that. It was like at the point where I was like still considering it. And we were talking about it. And he worked for a nonprofit that like did exactly that i think he did like refugees and asylum seekers and it was more policy oriented but he was telling me you do this work you meet these people you talk to these people and work with them on their fucking cases and it burns you out because you can only handle so much of this you can only Mm -hmm. sit there day in and day out and listen to these people talk about like their fucked up realities for so long before it gets to you Plus, you don't get paid shit for this job. You need to get paid a lot of money to, like, endure something like that, which you don't. I mean, yes. Most profits, most positions that you're ever going to be in that create any change, you're not going to really be in a position where you're making a lot of money. And that's, I feel like it was the epitome of that was when we had Chen in a couple weeks ago. And she's doing microbiology research that can literally save our lives. Mm-hmm. And she's a grad student making like minimal fucking money. And if she continues in the academia, she's going to make minimal amounts of money. 
if she goes to the exactly. CDC, she'll make minimal money. Like her only way she to make money is sorry, what? I was just gonna say she probably needs to go to like a big pharma company, something like that, to make a shit ton of money. And at that point, you're not instilling change. You're providing pharma companies with billions more dollars that they don't really need. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not saving anyone's life. You're making people money. I mean, you're saving people's life, but you're also making companies a shit ton of money. Way more than they need. But it's not really the... Way, way more than you need. And, and like, most, most pharmaceuticals, what they say, they say, like, they spend a lot of money on research, but... They spend also a lot of money on really minor changes to the drug. It's like basically having a book, like a first edition, and then you publish a second edition, and you have to tell your kids to buy, like your students in college, to buy the second edition because you added two more pages that are very, very quote-unquote important. They also do that in the more fundamental sense to maintain their patents. Basically, if they yeah. up, if they update the patent, they extend the time on it because like there's a specific amount of time you can patent something for. Mm. So every time they upgrade it, they extend that time period and they extend the amount of time they can like monetize this thing before it becomes a generic drug that becomes a lot cheaper for people to buy. Mm. Well, also when they do that, they also bump the price because they're like, oh, we. We put some research money into this, so we deserve a raise. Yeah, but a lot of the research money also comes from people's taxes. It comes from colleges and public funding. It comes from the NHS and and, and NHI. Sorry, the NHS is something different. It comes from, like, public sources. Like, it comes from taxes, it comes from colleges, it comes from government entities. Like, it's not just private money. So it's just like entirely fuck you. But anyways, back to the main point being, like I feel like most positions that you're ever going to be in to instill any real change, you're just not going to be seeing money. Like it's very, very difficult. No. it's Yeah, it is. It's very difficult. I mean, the same thing with I mean, long. you can always be, you can always like have your own startup and do a service where it's going to change the world in some way. I mean, you can look at Facebook or Amazon or Google. They all change culture in some way. I'm not saying positive or negative, but they definitely have a big effect on our lives today. All of these companies. And your startup can be one of those things where you provide a service or a product that can change how humans interact, work, whatever. Fill in the blanks. I mean, that's true, but, like, I was talking to Alex about this recently, and, like, the notion is, like, are we really in a reality where we have to rely on a benevolent CEO or a benevolent billionaire to give us what we really need and hope that, like, they're actually looking out for our best interests? Because, like, 99.999% of the time, that's just not going to be the case. Because people are always going to prioritize their own profits. Yeah. In the case of like insurance and medical shit and higher education, like it's all prioritizing money and like it's it's definitely prioritizing money, but you you got to look at like someone like Bill Gates though. I know he's he's not in the he's not in the what's what's the word? He's not in like the majority of people that do this. He's definitely in the minority, but he's doing an amazing thing with with his uh foundation, him and his wife. 
No, he is. He's doing incredible work, and Warren Buffett puts all of his money to the foundation because he's like, someone's already doing it. I don't need to like waste money on like setting up something else. Like, I'll just provide them with more funding. But mm. they've gotten to a point of wealth where they can't even drain their money fast enough. They're trying to get rid of 50% of their wealth, but they literally can't get rid of it fast enough because it's making so much money just sitting there. Yeah. And like, that's still yeah. a very fundamental, like, policy issue like they shouldn't it just shouldn't be the case like we shouldn't have to need a billionaire to fucking fix like whatever the fuck he's been where i don't know malaria or like polio like we shouldn't need a billionaire like an to african an app okay but let's be let's be real let's like let's go back to this world we live in do you think an african government is going to provide the money to do something like that fuck no most of those governments are corrupt or really poor, so it's almost impossible for them to combat something like that. So you gotta have an outsider force to come in and provide the help and provide the funding to do something like that. One of their one of their um, one of their old like projects that they were working on is to provide um, mobile banking and mobile uh, just uh, mobile networks in Africa. And I'm not sure like how far they come through with it, but because of that, like you got a lot of people in Africa that are connected and stuff like that. I don't think in in a million years an African government would do something like that. First of all, most of them don't have the money. Second, even if they did, that money's going in the pockets of their leader, and nobody's gonna see this that money. But I'm not I'm not saying Bill Gates isn't doing good work. I'm not saying he's not doing phenomenal oh, I, things. I know, I know. It's just but what would be your alternative? The fact is using that money, well, I mean, this goes into a whole question of like international development and whose role is it to really contribute and get involved. And that's a whole other hole that I don't even think either of us are remotely qualified to even discuss. But <laughs> none of us even studied this shit in college. I mean, I applied to go to grad school and study it, but like all I've done is write an essay telling people why I want to learn it. I still have no idea how it fucking works or where it should happen. I'm not. But I'm not even close to that alley. I actually just I learned emailed economics, and I hated it. So yeah, I, <laughs> that's I as actually close emailed as I can get. that department dean yesterday to give me to send me bullshit. Uh, but anyways, I just don't think it's. I mean, the way I look at it is, it's just like he shouldn't be like this. Shouldn't be the way it's done. It should be done in other ways. Like governments should be responsible for this. We shouldn't wait for rich people to be like, you know what? Maybe I should help these people out. Like. The fact is, Bill Gates shouldn't have hundreds of billions of dollars while, like, people in Africa are, like, starving. Or, like, people in, well, like, if you... Detroit don't have access to, like, clean water and, like, good healthcare and good education. Like, you get what I mean? Like, it's just... I think these are... Like, they they really feel like just band-aid solutions to policy issues that are just so much bigger. I know. But I think if you want to talk in terms of the U.S., the U.S. first needs to fix what's going on in there before it goes outside and try to fix other countries. Like, yeah, but it, it looks this good. Is, this it's is good what optics I, when you travel to East Asia and take pictures with a bunch of villagers and tell the people on Facebook how much you've done and how good you've been and what a great person you are. But your country is suffocating. It's suffering. A lot I'm of major the, um, cities are suffering. Chicago, dude. A lot of people fucking die there. Okay, this is like what Joe Rogan advocates. 
And I, I'm 100% with him. Oh, I'm 100% like, being, you want, like, you want, sarcastic about you this. You want, like, like, for example... Oh, well, you want, you want, for example, like, your country to be a winner. So what do you do? You, like, you try your best to minimize the amount of losers you have in your country. And what do you do by doing that? You provide healthcare. You provide education. You... You oh, yeah, like you raise your baseline for everyone you, else. You put, yeah, you put like you put a proper infrastructure and in all sorts and all kinds and all means, and in that way, you have the most amount of winners and the least amount of losers. You provide a better foundation for everybody and all your communities. So that way, you have less people. You have less people are inclined to do crime or to be gangbangers or something like that. So you no, have like in, in that you sense, have you have to... people. Who are shifting their energy into something that's useful for society, themselves, and their country, and probably internationally. I mean, the whole notion is like you just have to raise the baseline because when you have like the bottom line being people not being able to like afford their insulin and have to skip doses and then end up dying anyways, and then like your top what baseline like minimum wage, not just minimum living living conditions. Which includes wage, which includes healthcare, which includes education, like all of those things go into it. But like mm. your b- the bottom, like the bottom of the barrel has to be higher when it comes to this stuff. Especially that the top of the barrel is people owning like five hundred million dollar boats. It's too high, yeah. Like the disparity shouldn't exist like that. Like if you want to own like a hundred million, like you, if you want to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on boats and paintings. The bottom people Both have to be boats? able to like afford how to like afford food and medic- medicine. Like it's just absolute garbage. But anyways, we rabbit hold into this very hard. But um, it's too easy for us to do something like that. I too know. easy. I know. It's it's something that's been. It's a question that I've been battling with for so long. And I was talking to I was talking to you. I was talking to Alex. I've been talking to a bunch of people about like. With all of this happening, do you? How do you deal with your career choices, and how does that career that you pick like contribute to these issues? Like, do I just like don't give a fuck and just prioritize myself and like my direct tribe, being like family and friends and all that stuff, or do I work in the nonprofit sector and make no money in an, in an effort to like empower other people while potentially not being able to do that to begin with or do i work for a company that like has similar values and like helps me use my free time for example to like empower like um kids in underprivileged like school um school districts or poor people in rural areas or like stuff like that so it's just like deciding the best way to do this in the most fulfilling kind of way it's just like a large looming question. I think it's more important to me at this point than like what I even want to do career-wise at all. I don't know. I well, don't think there's really a good answer. Um, well, it just depends on... You got to ask yourself a couple of questions of what's my goal right now? What are you trying to achieve? Where Where do you want to be, for example, in the next five years? Where What like... What, what do you define success? What, what's your, like, definition of success? So some people will say success is, oh, I want to help, like, as this many people to get on their feet and, like, be successful and be entrepreneurs, for example. Or someone's success rate would be, oh, I want to make this much money by this time of year. 
So, like, it, you got to ask yourself a couple of these questions to understand where you lie right now and where's your head at right now. Because that can define what career fulfillment you're actually looking for. Yeah, and I think, well, for a general background, because I feel like a lot of people, like, this isn't exactly information that I've opened. I mean, I share to a degree, but not very openly. For, like, the three people on here that probably don't know this, like, I'm sitting in the U.S. at the moment, like, not being able to work and, like, applying for asylum. And, like, during this time, why is my phone getting warm? Um, I'm applying for asylum in the U.S., so while I'm doing that, um, I'm not allowed to work. But, like, at the moment, while I'm figuring out all of that fucking documentation, which is a whole other conversation, I'll definitely get into it at some other point. Because I will rant about that. But, anyways, um... So at the moment, I'm waiting until I'm legally allowed to work, but like the career options that I've like kind of opened in front of me and the things that I was talking to you right before we got on this call actually is just the fact that I have now, the options that I've given myself have covered these bases. Like I can either go to like grad school in Europe and go to urban planning and then like I can make some money while hopefully helping other people or I can go to law school in the US and make all the money while helping no one and probably harming people in the process or i can go to like for example if i had if i would go to into like salesforce and like work with alex and alex is starting like his own company and one of his key founding ideas is the fact that he wants to empower people that he works with he wants to make sure that they're not just being burned out and drained for no reason that they're fulfilled in their career that he's helping up helping bring up people of color women in tech and all of those communities that are not traditionally or as well represented in these fields so i uh, no no it's it's uh tough question especially when i have like all the options in front of me and having to decide which one is really the best one for me in the long term but i don't know for me what about uh, you i've always been this selfish person i'm not gonna deny it um for me right now i just want to focus on myself i want to focus on making the most amount of money so i can go to grad school I mean, that's just my goal. It's either I go to grad school or have my startup by then. And at least in the next 10 years, Mm -hmm. I want to at least have one or two successful startups. I'm sure I'm going to have multiple, but not all of them are going to be successful. But I want to have at least one or two successful startups by then. And one of these, I I would like to have a startup that it's a service or a product that's going to be helping people in some sort of way i'm mostly thinking in a manner of uh empowering office workers or empowering actual like day-to-day users on some kind of product that that they can use every day Mm -hmm. and i mean i don't know i'd also be reluctant to call the way that you're pursuing these things like selfish because like we did talk about this the fact that like you need to empower yourself Mm -hmm, first before you're in a position to empower anyone else like wanting to help people is all well and good but like if you're not in a position to help yourself like what the fuck is the point like you're just taking away from your own ability and your own like potential at that point like you have to you have to have like your own company you have to have your own money you have to have your own 
avenues to help people first and you have to have your own shit together before you can look out and like look outside and like focus on other things so i don't know if that's necessarily the case because i feel like that could definitely be a changed point of view and a changed perspective that you would have once you're sitting at a desk being like okay now i have all of these people under me i'm working and i'm making good money now i want to make sure that other people are also making good money and have good opportunities and just just beyond the competitiveness competitiveness edge of just hiring just like from a purely good perspective just like helping people out and making sure that they are also as fulfilled as i am because i feel like those those big questions always come up the more the more money you make and the more successful you are like these aren't questions that are easy to tackle when you're like 25 barely mm-hmm. out of college just starting no, out in a career not. Yeah, well, definitely. definitely things that you should still be conscious. I mean, of. there's a lot of things. There are like a lot of things that also you need to be conscious of when you're basically an office grunt. You have to like do your best to not be crushed by like the, the machine itself, you know, because when you first start, it's it's really brutal on you. And I didn't take it very well. Definitely. Like it was a whole change for me just moving back from the U.S. to home and trying to deal with like the cultural shock here and trying to deal with people here trying to deal with the old mentality like mm-hmm. we have at my company and that was a lot to take in for me i wasn't doing well because of it mm-hmm. early on and when i came back and it made me just it made me like not um i it made me not contribute well to myself nor my company basically and Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think something like that you need to be also aware of because it can show you what you actually want to do and what actually matters to you. Because at the end of the day, like this job for me is just to learn for me to learn like every as much as I can, learn like suck in as much knowledge as I can, like a sponge. So for the next job, I'm prepared. I'm well mm-hmm. prepared. I'm ready to go for the next one. And I mean, in a position, you just like always have to feel valued. Like you don't want to end up in like an agency where you're making like a fuck ton of money, but like the company's still making four times that money yeah, off definitely. of you and they're working definitely. you like a fucking dog. And like, I think you're definitely in the position, like you're definitely no. not in the position where like you're being abused like that, which I think is very lucky, but like a lot of people end up being in these positions that are like, cool i'm being worked like a fucking dog i'm working 40 plus like over 40 hours a week like 50 60 70 even and i literally don't even have the time to like have the headspace to even figure out where i want to pivot and where i want to go from here even though i mean at a young age i think it's easier to pivot because you're still young you still can learn new tricks you can like always adapt to new environments and new cultures wherever you're going to belong to I, I like doing something like that at an older age is risky mm-hmm. and you hear about a lot of people doing it but a lot of people like you I, I've, I've heard like a good number of people where they're actually successful at pivoting their careers into something they actually love at an old age but it's it's very risky though mm-hmm. it's it's very risky not no, very not very, easy yeah, not sure. very it's easily very risky. and you gotta have the discipline and the motivation to do something like that mm-hmm. I feel like it's much easier at a young age to do something like that, which 
I, I like what I do, but I think I want to try a different culture because this is this culture is not very much suitable for me for for the long term. No, I, I entirely agree because like I I know how much you dislike being don't, don't there. Don't get me wrong, like, I'm very thankful for where I am right now, especially because well, I get to do a lot of cool shit when I'm on vacation because of this job. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm really thankful for that. Like I got to do a lot of like stuff I wanted to do when I was young, at a fairly young age, and I thought I'm gonna do this at an older age mm-hmm. than I am right now, just because of this company and. I'm, I'm like, look, like in hindsight right now, I'm happy where I am at work and I'm happy I am where I am right now in life. Just, yeah, they're just. That's good. That's, that's definitely a development from a year ago. How you yeah. were talking about yeah. it. Like, yeah. 100%. A year ago, for example. I mean, a lot. It's definitely a, a very interesting perspective that I did like, not. What I do at work right now is like people depend on me right now and I'm, I'm valued at, at work and people talk about me all the time. So it's, it's good to know that I'm needed. So that's also a huge factor for me. I like being needed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've known me, man. I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've always no, been the that's, center that's of a attention. Very fundamental. So I always want to be like in that spotlight. You've been somewhat of a, an attention whore, and um, as people can tell through your <laughs> festival outfits and Halloween costumes. Uh, let's not mention Halloween costumes. I still need to figure out mine for this year because I have to fly with it now. Well, just ship and it to. I haven't thought that far. Yes, but. Oh, I can actually mail it to... That's a very fucking valid point. But then I have to fly back with it. Anyways, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, okay, I'd like enough. to try it on first. But anyways, um, let's pivot a little bit because I feel like we went down a very serious hole and discuss like this, this week's really Mitch Please segment. So um, I would like to preface the fact that like we did not give Mitch enough time to think about but, his Mitch please question. But this is a really I good do question. enjoy this question very much. However, I just want to give him I just want to give him like, you know, the the space, I guess, oh, okay. to be like, fuck you guys, why did you do this to me? But anyway, so this week's question is if you had a time machine, what time period would you most like to visit and why? You you can start with this one. I'm I'm intrigued by your answer. Yeah. You're intrigued by my answer? Okay. Um, I would think that I would like to be in... I mean, this is... It, naturally, like, the best time you want to be in is, like, the present time just due to, like, Technology, medicine dude. and, like, life expectancy and all of that. But, like, if there is a time that has intrigued me the most... There are two specific periods. And they're both related... Like, they're both, like art oriented the first one is paris in the 1920s when you had like picasso and like all of these different painters and writers just like hanging out in fucking paris at bars getting fucked up together talking about like just nothing and everything like you got you've got the modern artists you've got american writers you've got surrealists you've got all of these really really interesting art movements emerging that we're still seeing now and all of these people were just hanging out in Paris together. 
And it was like, just fin I don't know. I just have an affinity to these time periods where you just have all of these great minds in just like one place. And like, I feel like that could still be the same in like present day, in like New York, but like I were not technically as aware of it as we are like in hindsight in history. So not like 1920s Paris is one of them. Um, yeah. Hemingway was there. Um, fuck. Who's the other artist? I, I forgot. There was another writer. Um, and then the other time period would have been post world war two, 1950s, 1960s, mm, New York why? city. Everyone was coming back from the war. There was a fuck ton of money. The U.S. was doing very well. It was also such a cultural, just, it was, it had such a cultural significance at the time. And the modern artists of that time were in New York City during that time. It was like, and then also as like an urban planner, we had like Robert Moses and Jane Jacobs functioning in New York City. Basically, Jane Jacobs was this, um, I don't know what she really was before she became like an activist, but she was an activist that lived in Greenwich Village that was involved in basically telling Robert Moses to fuck off. Uh, Robert Moses was this like development god mm -hmm. in New York State during the 50s and 60s. And he was like, we're going to build highways everywhere. He's the one who's responsible. He, Is he the wanted one responsible to build highways. States in the U.S. currently? No. No, the interstates in the U.S. were more of Department of mm. Transportation, like, federal funding. And, like, big car, big auto being like, fuck you guys, this is the best way to do this. And just lobbying a fuck mm -hmm. done. That's a whole other conversation. But um, Robert Moses was like, we're going to build all of these fucking highways around the, around the state. And he tried to build mm -hmm. highways through Manhattan. Like... He was going to level Greenwich Village. He was going to level the Lower East Side and build a fucking highway through it. And people like Jane Jacobs and like everyone she was working with basically told him, fuck you, and started a true grassroots movement to basically just like s preserve the historical like significance of these areas and not ruin it by just mm -hmm. running fucking highways like without thinking of what effect that would have on like entire communities. So the grassroots movement back then in urban planning was phenomenal and the artistic and cultural significance of New York City in mm -hmm. that time was also very, very big. So I think those are the two time periods that I would have loved okay. to have been part of. That makes sense. Based or on visit, like I guess. The things like you really like, that shows a lot. I feel like I'm going to throw right? like a it makes a lot of sense. in this bitch. <laughs> For me, the, the okay. two for me would be when the first religion came and the first prophet got the message that he's the prophet and there's a God. I, I, will, I would love to see what was that like. Okay. I'm very intrigued by how religions started mm -hmm. how most re and how like most religions are. Mm -hmm. I mean, like Judaism, uh, Christianity, and Islam, they're, they're similar to each other, obviously. There's a lot of things that reoccur in all of these books. And I want to know, like, mm -hmm. what the fuck happened back then? Like, what, how, how did they get the message? How did they <laughs> know that one of these prophets, like, knew that, that the communication got to them? Like, it's intriguing to me. I want to know. I, like, I want to know what kind of shit happened over there. 
and it like to me it's really interesting because of it i mean it shaped our world today i mean people are divided based on these religious tribes and people still fight over palestine and israel today like because of religion so it's 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 really interesting Exactly, in like the whole the world, most and for territory. many, many fucking years, many years, and they still fight over this fucking land. So, for... Like, there's other, there's other places that are like there, like, like, you've got Kashmir, you've got, like, Cyprus and Turkey, you've got all of these different places, but, like, they're never, yeah. nothing is so as for, contested for me, as Palestine in this realm. Something to know, like, where the first religion started, and when it started, so I'm seeing here, like, it's somewhere around like the second century and it was jainism so i'm not sure what that is either mm -hmm. so probably dis disappeared back then um so for me it'll be interesting to to mm -hmm. see the process of that religion building up and getting people to like follow that person and see see it like maybe maybe start off with christianity and see how that worked out say baby see, see like the baby jesus the BBGs. <laughs> BBGs. And then the second one for me um, no, would be the, the start of the Chinese dynasty. Because that shit ruled the fucking world for a long, long, long ass fucking time. And it's I've been reading a couple of uh, books. I've been reading this book about uh, power. And they, they the writer gives a lot of examples from the Chinese mm -hmm. dynasty. And I'm so intrigued by the Chinese dynasty and how they ran the whole of China, because that's a fucking giant country. And back then, a lot of tribe and a lot of kingdoms in China would fight each other. And how did one ruler control all these kingdoms together? So to me, it's really interesting to to see like how this shit fucking laid out. So like that, the first one was around um, 15, 1500 BC. So even before before religion came out so mm -hmm. before christianity came out so it's it's really really back in time for me so is there a specific dynasty that you'd be um, interested to interested in seeing or just the general would, notion of chinese dynasties and like just how the, the, large the general their rule notion of it and how large their rule was cuz it's 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 a, it's one of the biggest fucking histories like you can like a lot, a lot of shit happened during, like the Chinese dynasty ruling. So and and it went through a lot, a lot of changes, and a lot of people like ruled it. So the timeline, the timeline is endless, almost like it's, yeah, it's fucking like long, man. Oh, I mean, it's one of the longest existing yeah, civilizations so that has ever been. Like, if you look at like anything the, else. Like nothing else, it has as long of a yeah, timeline as Chinese history. Yeah, like the, the first Chinese one was two thousand years before Christ. So maybe, maybe, maybe the second one after like it got developed, and like maybe the all Shang of the dynasty. other. Mm -hmm. And like I mean, all other. I feel like most other civilizations that have existed that long ago are just so far removed from like their pre, like their. Like for example, if you look at like Mesopotamia, like whenever that ended like that was mm -hmm. it that was the end of like that really era like there was nothing else going on there for a very very long time like i feel like chinese history is one of uh, the yeah, most continuous exactly. histories it's, it's, in the to world me it's very 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 interesting and I, I love learning about how 
all these Chinese military uh, personnel and how they ruled their kingdom and how like they were good at using power for their own good and their own people's good. Uh, no, actually, it's by the, the same writer who I'm reading his power book. So I'm, I'm interested in that book, too. Yeah. Oh, OK. I, yeah. I, you should definitely read that. You should you should 100 percent read that. It's very simple. It's very short. But I've been like, looking it's, into it has very fundamental that book. And ideas. I want to I want to read like a couple of personal finance books because I want to get on that for sure. But I've been I've been also mm-hmm. wanting to look up like a couple of. <laughs> really good like chinese dynasty books like history books because that's so intriguing to me <laughs> okay, okay just watch mulan just, just okay just it's essentially i mean the new movie is supposed to be respectful of chinese culture like I'd i think it would be a like, good representation something educational than watch a fucking kids movie about this first of all it's a live action and it's, it's not a kid's, a kids movie. movie. It's darker. It's darker than the animated version. The new one is coming yeah, out. It's going to be darker than the animated version. Because you have real characters. It's going to be real, sh- man, real fucked up. Other than that, I would love to like do something like that. And then uh, <laughs> I, I want to I wanna listen to fucking... What, what's, I forgot the guy's name, but it's uh, Hardcore History podcast. And he made like a paid podcast about the... Yeah, Dan aren't Carlin. those like four it's, hours? It's about long? the Genghis Khan dynasty, and he his dynasty was interesting too. I remember reading a lot about it in social studies and history class as a kid, and I found that person to be very interesting. I still do to this day, mm-hmm. so that's also intriguing mm-hmm. to me. But his timeline was way, way, way after the Chinese dynasty. Yeah, Genghis Khan was a lot later, but yeah, isn't he's, he? He's also he part of like the Mongol Empire. He's no, not really, but like, the, he's not Mongolia really a Chinese is dynasty. So close to China, so I'm sure, I'm sure he got. Yeah, I'm I mean sure, that's like, why the Great Wall of, of China was him, built. So. Dude, he's very true. I mean, he did. I don't know how. You know how many people he fucking he pillaged, did. raped, and killed. Like, you know how much of his DNA is. We we both might have some of his DNA in us. You know that? Yeah, no, I know. There there are like markers from like the empire that are spread almost everywhere in the world. Yeah, the guy the DNA markers and everyone. The guy almost was a everyone. fucking. I don't know what the percentage stuck. is. <laughs> okay, I would be very reluctant in describing Genghis Khan as a fucking stud. But someone had done the math on it and was like, his pillaging and murdering basically took... I mean, climate change was also very different like a thousand years ago, but like it basically reversed the effect of that day's civilization by like a hundred years. Dude, he, Cause like he killed so, so many, many fucking people. countries and so many fucking areas in the world that basically Mongolia was ginormous because of him. He wrecked... Yep. Now it's a he small little country by China. So many armies and military personnel, dude. Oh, it's insane. I mean, have uh, you yeah. seen have you seen Night at the Museum? Have you seen Genghis Khan in that movie? He does not look that intimidating. He's a little bitch, yeah, actually. I don't think they're meant to make him intimidating. 
I don't know, man. Ben Stiller has a very good understanding of history. I feel like you're very you're underestimating the importance of shitty Hollywood movies to explain history. I think they're very bad at explaining history. I mean, most people in the U.S. that I meet have no fucking idea about history outside of the U.S. So I'm pretty sure Hollywood is doing a terrible job. Well, because they watch shitty movies. But if well, you watch Crazy Rich Asians, for example, you got a very good understanding yeah, of Singapore. Yeah, that's a good it's, movie, it's but I don't think state. it reflects 100%. I think it's overly exaggerated. I've never been to Singapore. <laughs> the movie. What is overly exaggerated? The, the, the fucking the, wedding. The wealth. Holy shit, dude. What the fuck? I mean, I... 100 percent oh, believe I'm not that saying, that kind of I'm, money exists I'm, in singapore i'm not I do saying not no find that but I think, unlikely I think at all exaggerated i think i think to some to some certain extent i think that's it true, is it is it's uh, i think some parts of that is exaggerated for the sake of having a hollywood movie you need it you need a the- theatrical you need a theatrical i mean story. no truly it really is but it is. It's a good movie for like the representation of like Asian actors in like Hollywood, which that did very well. But like obviously, it's not a mm-hmm. good representation of like a whole nation. But um, I just want you to know, I saw that movie yesterday, Wait, and I you want you to this? know, and I want this, this to be like, as public it's been as out possible. For a while now. Yeah, I just watched it yesterday. It's been out for like a year or two. It, it was on HBO, and every time I wanted to watch it, I just wasn't in the mood because it's two hours, and yesterday I was, so I was like, fuck it. Okay. So Alex and I watched it last night before going to bed. But I told him this yesterday, and I'm telling you this now, and I need this as what? public as possible because both of you need to know this. I want my bachelor party to be on that same boat Wait, in international I don't, waters. I don't remember the bachelor party part. What did they do for his bachelor party? Because he said he didn't want one. Basically, the bachelor party, they put... Not not the guy not the guy that like was dating the girl from New York, mm-hmm. like his friend that he went for the wedding for. They basically all got on helicopters and flew to a cargo ship okay. in international waters. Oh, yeah, I remember and just had a oh, massive fucking rager. Okay. The guy was just like launching bazookas off like the deck. There were just like a fuck ton of people, very loud music, rock climbing walls, a pool. Okay. And everything else. So I just want okay. I just want um, you to know that this is what I want. If like my mom would say, if you have a donkey that can shit money, We'll do something like that for you, okay? <laughs> I want you to know this because chances are the responsibility of throwing my bachelor party would be on me, squarely on you. No, I'm not surprised. I just, yeah, I, was just I was just making a theatrical. Like, I was just making with, a theatrical. Like, fuck off. <laughs> I mean, this is the first time this Dude, has been Dude, you know discussed, what? I'll just take you to just... Atlantic City. You'll have a dandy-ass time. You'll be fine. <laughs> first of all, I want to live my whole life and die and have a very long life and Why? never step into Why Atlantic, City? Atlantic City. Never. Why the fuck uh, do I want to go to Atlantic City in New Jersey? Like, why on earth? I 
We should. We need to have a conversation here. We need to have a very important conversation where we cover very important things because I am absolutely not going to fucking New Jersey. I'm just fucking joking, dude. Relax. Jesus Christ! You hate New Jersey. Cargo ship in international waters or nothing. I will shit money. I will go to law school you know and be what? a scummy you know lawyer and make good you money. You know what does that remind me of? And we'll make it happen. Marshall Erickson. What? From How I Met Your Mother. Who the fuck Marshmallow. is Marshall Erickson? Marsh- Marshpillow. Judge Fudge. Oh. Judge Fudge. He, oh, what he about basically, Marshall? So he basically wanted to be yeah, yeah, no, I remember an him environmental though. lawyer and work for the... You what what is that place called? UDC mm-hmm. EDC The Environmental the Environmental like uh, EDA? in New York. They Oh no in EDA No, so they, they, they fight they fight I don't know. like EDC? Uh, corporations I don't know. on when it comes to like polluting lakes and shit like that. So their goal yeah, it's a so like a nonprofit, like like an environment, like a yeah, yeah, nonprofit yeah. It's, it's of like a inv- environmental that, lawyers, real nonprofit that exists. So he wanted that's okay. that was his goal, but because because he wanted to have okay. ki- kids and his wife was spending a lot of money, he had to take a, a a job at a bank where he became a filthy lawyer, but made a shit ton of money. And I think he did this no, no, in the wrong I think, order. I think you I should think if you want to be a lawyer, ton of money, and then go do the environmental good stuff. Once you you cover your basis, once your family's covered, you have a house, you have whatever you need. Exactly, you're good on money. Then you should go do the. Do, once you're done helping yourself and your family, you can yeah. Go no, that was. Others. No, that's exactly the point that I was going to say. Like, he did it in the wrong order. He should have gone to... You go to law school, and then you go to big but law. But that's, that's what he did, though. a fuck ton of money. Big law, essentially, in a big city. You start at 100 and... No, no, no. no. He started in... Didn't he, he start in environmental law? He and wanted then he went to go into to a bank? Or did he start shitty? organization. But because, because of his oh, money okay, problems, okay. he, he ended started up going at a bank. to a big bank and worked with Barney Stinson. For whatever reason, I was remembering it that he got his, um, he like he became a lawyer, then tried to work in environmental law, and then had to take another uh, job with Barney's bank. Well, he because he, of the he, money issues. I don't know. I mean, I just this is watched splitting hairs at this point, show, though. So. Yeah. No, I I believe you. I mm. just I just had a misunderstanding of like how the plot went, but that's not really Judge Fudge. The fundamental point here. I I think I would make a good judge. So? What about Supreme? Judge? I think I'd make Supreme a pretty good Fudge. judge. I th- Supreme Fudge? I don't think so because I graduated from a public Wait, school, not an from an Ivy, Ivy and that already judge? is fucked. Have you literally everyone on the Supreme Court has graduated from an Ivy, then gone to an Ivy League law school, and then got in like then like had a very very oof. big That's career a big in oof law right there. Yeah, like this isn't like they're not just like impressive lawyers and judges. Like these are people that were like mm-hmm. some of the most impressive people that have ever existed. 
like just legally like the only one the only one i'm truly familiar with is rbg because like god bless her but rbg went to like um ruth bader ginsburg she's she's the coolest we like her she's from brooklyn um she went to like harvard and columbia really good schools Just mediocre. Yeah, just, me- just mediocre. Above mediocre. The, the, the judge. Okay, first of all, federal judges, in all senses, are that like successful or like that like accomplished. The judge in the federal court that's like residing over the lawsuit that like I'm suing the army in. Long story. However, she graduated from yale and then got her law like law degree mm-hmm. from harvard or something like that she actually has a master's in urban planning from yale maybe you can follow her footsteps i should be a federal be uh, federal court judge fudge. i want to be supreme judge exactly. just so i can refer to myself as supreme fudge and just give everyone fudge in, law, fudge in court and just like <laughs> just have a tray of fudge Every time for they everyone all to rise eat when for supreme fudge abdul <laughs> supreme fudge <laughs> <laughs> i would fuck with that that's my new career goal fuck making money fuck helping people fuck just all of that other shit name. i want to be supreme fudge and I'm going to get endorsements. Oh, and I'm going to get endorsements and like funding from like corporate sponsors that make fudge. I'm going to have like Hagen does make an ice cream Supreme in my name. Fudge or Ben and Jerry's. I support Ben and Jerry's more. <laughs> yeah, basically Ben and Jerry's is going to have a Supreme Fudge flavor named Supreme after me. Fudge Abdul flavor. Like it'll be what? Caramel, fudge, creme brulee. Um, what else do you like? Caramel fudge, okay. pretzel, uh, salted pretzels, um, chocolate chip, just Praline. straight fudge, brownies. I think that's it. That's that's enough. That's sure. Isn't what's what it's it like, really is? It's like creamy. caramel. Like, I feel like it's just something to do with caramel, isn't it's, it? It's it's softer. Yeah, same but different. Same but different. Same same but different different. <laughs> Oh, it's praline is literally melted sugar, and you dump nuts in it. It's delicious with chocolate. So it's just like caramelized nuts. Oh no, I believe you. It really, a fucking hundred percent is. I just we don't need caramel if we're gonna add praline. So it's gonna be praline fudge, brownies, salted pretzels. There you go. The, and the supreme, it. the supreme fudge in a supreme decadent fudge, double chocolate Abdul ice cream. Ben and Jerry's ice cream, limited run. <laughs> I, man, I they would love me in Vermont. You speak their language. I'd be their favorite. <laughs> mm-hmm. The de- decadent ice cream. Un- okay. Okay. Besides doing all of that, I need your takes on diets now. And we only have, this is, this is going to be very okay. short. I'm only giving you like three minutes to do this. I am trying to figure out how to cut slash bulk up. I'm currently in the process of cutting because I need to lose a couple pounds. 
And I'm looking at the ideas of a keto slash inter- intermittent fasting slash okay. just like cutting calories in general. And like okay, why so are they better? Fastest or worse? way to cut is to do intermittent fasting. So the way I did it to like to look that fucking cut for Tomorrowland was I was fasting so I started off I had like four weeks to go before Tomorrowland. So the first two weeks were two days a week or three days a week, I would fast. And then I would bump it up to four. And then five and then I did six. And then the last week I did so I was doing fast, 16 how many hours eight. do you so mean? I have 16 hours of fasting, eight hours of eating windows. But okay. when I ate, I mostly had just salads and I, I was keto. So I was like salads with olive oil and steak or chicken or something like that. And then over time, I made my meals even stricter. Mm-hmm. So no more mayonnaise, no more peanut butter, no more dark chocolate. So I restricted my carbs, net carb intake to 20 grams a day. But I was mostly trying my best to keep it at 10. So my, my max was 20. Mm-hmm. I was trying my best to keep it at 10. And that was really hard. But it paid off with so uh, with okay. uh, intermittent fasting. And with fasting, you would take coffee, MCT oil, some butter, grass-fed butter. That helps with burning a lot. And then the last week before Tomorrowland, what I did was all 16 and 8, 16 and 8. I think I did that five times. And then the last day, so when I traveled from here to London and then London to Brussels, I fasted for 20 hours. I think I fasted more than 20 hours, but my aim was to fast Mm -hmm. for 20 hour window. And then once I got there, I ate a salad. It felt fucking amazing to eat something because I was starving by then. I wasn't wasn't that hungry. I was just (laughs) getting like tired and just lightheaded from traveling. I was just drinking water and I slept on the airplane. So that helped a lot. But that mm-hmm. made me cut a lot of weight. And um, another tip, if you want to get your more definition to your muscles, try to do low weights, high reps, and make sure you take creatine. Creatine is really important to make your muscles like more defined, more pumped up. It'll make you also more vascular. Um, mm-hmm. What else did I do? Yeah, and that, that was it. That's basically it for keto. I would take my protein shakes and everything on time and... I had a very tight schedule. I would do cardio almost every day. Um, and then I would have one day where I would do a uh, recovery day. So I would do light lifting and like 30-minute run on the treadmill. It was like a really light run, like five to six effort. Yeah, just five to six effort out of just ten. Jog. And it was perfect for what I was doing. I cut a lot of weight. The problem with cutting weight, like I lost mm-hmm. some mass. So I dropped from... 163 pounds to 158 i was aiming for 160 but but by the time it was closer to the date i wanted i was 158 i was it was too late to like bulk up again so i was committed to to my cutting so i i I dropped down to around nine percent body fat maybe close to eight but it was it was basically what mm-hmm. I wanted. Right now, um, I'm bulking again, so I'm doing keto again. But I'm doing moderate keto. When with moderate keto, my carbon take is up to fifty. I'm not doing intermittent fasting. I'm just doing like uh, fifty grams. Fifty grams, yes. not fifty percent. So, and I'm not doing intermittent fasting. Only fasting okay. I'm doing is I would eat, for example, around eight p.m. or eight thirty p.m. I won't eat until breakfast. So mm-hmm. I'm giving myself maybe a 12-hour window or something like that. 
maybe yeah 12 hour window if not eating so it's it's a shorter fast but i don't consider it as fasting it's still helping me out and right now my weight is actually at 165 pounds so i look so much bigger i look so much bigger so right now help? bulking and i look as thick as a snicker bar so mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So is the notion of intermittent fasting just like limiting your calorie intake by limiting how much food, how much time you can spend eating, or is it just? It's not limiting your calorie intake. So what what intermittent fasting does? It puts your body into uh, kind of a ketosis mode instead of burning. So what, like if you switch to keto, instead of burning carbs because you're not depending on carbs as a source of energy, you're depending on fat. So what it does is it produces ketones, and what ketones are is just burning fat, turning them into, like, ketones, and that's that becomes your source of energy. I'm not, like, doing the proper explanation for this, but um, that's that's what basically boils down to. And when, when you fast, that process becomes even faster because you're, you're stopping yourself from eating, your insulin is down, um, and your metabolism is just, like, at a high rate where it's, mm-hmm. it wants to burn everything. So drinking coffee and MCT oil with that, Helps a lot. The MCT helps with energy. Coffee helps with energy too. But MCT, what it does, it's it's basically fats. It's like you're like telling your body like, hey, take f- yeah, take fats as Medium a source of chain. energy. And what it does with coffee and like what when you put butter too, it, instead of like giving you all the caffeine dose right away, it disperses it into like. Um, blocks so you, you get it at like oh, like you get ca- huh. caffeine at a consistent time instead of just this whack just coffee right away yeah surge How, how's this yeah. for uh which is i'm sure a lot better for, for energy uh, a quick explanation Levels. of fasting and dieting <laughs> i feel like i ran a, i feel like it's, i ran um, out of breath it's very solid it was it was <laughs> no, I can literally hear it in your voice. It was definitely what I was looking for, but I also was not very fair and gave you like four minutes to expand on all of that. So this is definitely a conversation that I want to get slightly deeper into because like I'm actually making the effort to fucking like give a fuck about like my diet and like my gym and all that stuff. So like I need to hear more about this. And I feel like generally it's just like not something that like is discussed outside of the realms of like the... Gym yeah, bro I mean, I, that, I wouldn't consider know, myself as... I used to be a meathead. So. I'm not a meathead anymore. I do a lot of versatile stuff in the gym and a lot of stuff with my diet. But I like I, yeah. I basically set a goal for myself. By the end of this year, I want to do the human flagpole. And that's fucking hard. I, I think I've shown you before that video of how to get there. Yeah. You showed me that video and I've been, I was disgusted by it and I've showed it to a ton of people since and they have also been disgusted by it. It's this buff as fuck motherfucker that just does the and most just insane core he, workouts. He does and it's not absolutely do disgusting. He only does calisthenics. It's disgusting. Because he does like muscle ups and like flag pulls for like his core exactly. day. Like so what else do you need? For me, I've been, I've been doing most Anyways, of these workouts. I'm yeah, very my, close starting to do um the human flagpole as a practice so i'm getting there yeah okay fuck yeah okay and on that note we're gonna end this episode um thank you for joining us on episode 13 um 
go drink water and hydrate. Um, follow me, follow the podcast on Dose Browns on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, share, like, subscribe, whatever. Let us know what you think. We're still working on figuring out like our template and our format, slowly fixing it up and changing it around, seeing what really works and what doesn't. So feedback is greatly appreciated. Um, I'm Abdul at Sudo Goat mm-hmm. on Instagram and Sudo Camel on Twitter. And uh, oh, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at kalibra94. And if you guys can leave us a rating on uh, Apple Podcast or any podcast service you're listening to, that would be great. If you can hit the follow or subscribe button, that would be also great. So thank you guys for listening. This has been Two Browns Don't Make a Right. And peace. Fuck yeah.